just give as much support as you can without judgment uh, mm-hmm. and without projecting your whatever's going on with you onto them. Because sometimes when we help people, we help people in the way that we want to be helped, which is not at all the way that they want to be helped. Hey there, my name is Sean and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives and we don't talk much about it. And when we do talk about it, most of us are not very good at it. And that includes me. One of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations with attempt survivors, and I hope better conversations. certainly going to try. We are talking about suicide, so this may not be a good fit for everyone. Please take that into account before you listen. But I do hope you listen because there is so much to learn. If you like this podcast, if you're learning from this podcast, you can help us out by doing exactly what you're doing right now, which is listening. You can also let your friends and family and other people in your life know about it. You can rate it or leave a review. This helps people find it. People from different places, places like Peru and Malaysia and Hong Kong and Colombia. Our podcast has been found there and people who need to hear these stories are hearing these stories. If you're a suicide attempt survivor, and you'd like to share your story with us, I would love to talk with you. You can email us at hello at suicidenoted.com. Today, I am talking with Thomas. Thomas lives in Copenhagen, Denmark, and he is a suicide attempt survivor. Hi, Thomas. Thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here and speak with you about this. I'm really glad that you were open to doing it and able to do it. So yeah, wait, of course. where are you? I am in Copenhagen. I'm originally from uh, California, but I've been in Copenhagen for 11 years now, and uh, I really like it. This is my home. Uh, I don't miss the States at all. Uh, <laughs> just, just love it here. We could have a whole other podcast on that subject, for sure. Yeah, I bet we could, yeah. I'm happy to talk about everything. I, I like talking about all this, actually. I'm not, I'm not shy. I, I actually try to talk about it as often as I can with people. Um, so, so as soon as I, I don't know how, I think maybe you posted something. On, I'm, I'm part of like maybe 10, 15 suicide prevention groups on Facebook. And I think that's how I, you came up on my radar. You posted something. Cool. And I thought, oh, yes, that's exactly what I want to do. Yeah, awesome. uh, I'm glad. Yeah, I, um, you know, it probably will not come as a surprise that it's not that easy to find people. No, are really right, no. open and willing no. and available. It's not something we typically talk about. It's not something most people are going to talk openly about. You won't hear conversations about suicide attempts in most cafes, mm-hmm. uh, which probably, you know, I, there's a reason for that. But I always ask people, I'm always curious why they're comfortable talking about something that so few people are. Yeah. Or look, I, I really enjoy it because... Um, through the recovery process, I'm, I did heal completely, and I and I and, I, and I'm, I'm quite confident in that, and I'm you know I'm over it, and I and I I'm aware of so many people that are struggling with with mental health, whether it is 
to the all the all the way to you know depression and suicide or just everyday regular things so many people are are, are suffering from their mind and uh i'm i know how to deal with this and mm. i wanted i just want to help people you know it's it's weird sometimes your greatest uh failure or weakness ends up being your greatest strength and contribution to the world. And mm -hmm. that's definitely true for me. That's, uh, that's all I want to do is I, I, when I was in college in LA, I, uh, I started studying um, psychology, I got a bachelor's in psychology because I wanted to be a therapist um, and, and things moved in another direction. But I still, I still have that drive and do want to help people, uh, whether it's professionally or just, you know, I was at the park yesterday, just talking to friends and, and normal, uh, you know, everyday uh, talk comes up and you, you can hear that, okay, there's, there might be an issue here with frustration in life or, or insecurity or, 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 or whatever. And just even that, just a little, a small scale of helping one person with a little problem. I was like, oh yes, I, I love, I love doing this, you know? So, uh, so that's why I'm, I'm, I'm very happy and open to talk about this, this sort of stuff. Um, mm. Because it's normal. It's it's it, we're we're all running around trying to hide like like we don't have anything going on and and and, and we post pictures of ourselves at our peak, you know, at the top moments and, and modify our, our our image. And so, unfortunately, it's so easy to forget that we're all human. And so, mm -hmm. when you bring up this stuff, it's like, oh yes, you're right. Like I'm a human. You're a human. We can just we can just relax a little bit and just be a little bit more normal and just talk about you know that we are vulnerable sometimes we do suffer and we do go through tragedies and uh it's okay you know we don't need to we don't need to have this armor on like we're a superhero or something it's just it's okay and so uh i always get such a wonderful response when i tell people like, i i try to kill myself when i was in lockdown for two years and it's a it's a weird thing to say but when you're really comfortable about it it actually makes people really comfortable it's, mm. a, it's, a, it's a weird phenomenon I'll, i will tell people as quickly as I can, if I want that, if I want someone to like me, like I'll do this in job interviews, I'll do this in the uh, university applications, uh, dating uh, friends. If I really want to facilitate a connection, I will work into the conversation. Mm -hmm. But I try to kill myself as quickly as possible in a way that sounds natural, which sure seems like difficult, but it's quite easy. Um, and it, and it just it just it really facilitates uh, a good a good bond. Um, yeah, because it's, it's like, hey, you're normal. You're not trying to prove anything here. We're all trying to do that. When someone mm -hmm. doesn't do that, it's it's a it's like a, a breath of fresh air. It, it, it seems like it really is. It really is, and it opens up. I find this space for people. It's almost like you're giving them permission yeah. to then share stuff about themselves. Yeah. It may not yeah, be I mean, a suicide attempt, but whatever it may be, it could be anything. People have shared all sorts of super personal things, and. I'm very familiar and experienced with this. So there's just an acceptance of, of whatever it is. And it's like, yeah, I get you. I, 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 I might not have experienced that personally, but I totally understand where you're coming from and what happened and why things happened that way and how it's affected you and how you're dealing with it. And it's just a relief to, to know you can just talk about this stuff openly without mm -hmm. judgment. And, uh, everybody know everybody's going through something. Everybody has de dealt with something some way, somehow. And so, it just, it just, it just it's a, talking about the stuff. Just, it's a great way to be like, oh yeah, we're, mm. we're the same in, in one way or another. Um, yeah. So I, so that's why I really like it, and uh, uh, yeah, why well, I'm here to talk to you. Yeah, and I thank you again for that. Tell me about <laughs> your, tell me about your attempt. However you want to frame that. What, what was that like? Uh, well, I took, I took 140 Tylenol PM with alcohol when I was 15. Um. 
And uh, it's, it's one of those uh, very common situations, like a miracle you're alive, was in the hospital for a week, almost needed liver transplants. Um, but somehow I, I guess because I was young, my body recovered just fine. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I just had to take some medication for a while. Um, but that was my, that was the actual attempt. Um, and then that led to, I was in, I was in like a mental hospital in San Francisco for a month and then, uh, and then sent to Utah for a, to a couple of treatment centers. Uh, one was a lockdown treatment center. Uh, and then one was a, a therapeutic boarding school where you, you were allowed to go outside as a, and have more normal interactions as a kind of like a step down mm-hmm. transition from right. the, the intensity of lockdown to, to going to back to the real world. Cause, cause even going back to the real world for me, like after, after two years of treatment, when I went back to uh, a new high school back in San Francisco, just that alone, it was really scary. Uh, it was such a, like you could, you could walk around on the streets and open a magazine and watch TV, like just being able to do such normal things. It was really a, a shock. Like it was, I was totally institutionalized. Yeah. Um, right. And it makes yeah. me wonder about people who have been in institutions, uh, for months or years in yeah. that transition, which is a different conversation, but like, yeah, it's gotta be a tough transition. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, well, I think it also depends on um, how much it does for you. Like it, like the treatment process worked really well for me. So I really liked it. I liked it in, in, in lockdown actually, uh, eventually. Like I, I was, I felt at home there. I loved, I liked the people there, uh, the whole system. So I didn't, I didn't have a problem with leaving, but of course you have to leave. Uh, yeah. So because my, positive uh response to it i think that facilitated the the institutionalization uh effects well, I, I i think that my was more extreme than than a, a lot of other people because some a lot of people weren't as into it as, as i was mm-hmm. um so some people were just like they want to get out people tried to escape they tried to run uh they you know they tried to fight the system uh but i just went with it uh yeah i want to hear more yeah. about that uh i also want to ask you yeah a really hard question. I've, I've done a good number of interviews thus far. This might be the hardest question uh, that I ask. And that's, you're 15 years old. You make that decision to take all those pills uh, with the intention of ending your life. Why? Why? Well, it was uh, a lot of things. I guess, I guess things started... Uh, I was, I, was, I was born into a, a really wonderful family, very loving parents, uh, nice neighborhood, great schools. And so I was very much sheltered in this world of everything's amazing. But of course, as you grow up, your parents kind of protect you and, and, and things start to change. So when my parents got divorced when I was 11, that was just a huge shock. I was like the first shock in my life where things can actually go wrong, things can go bad. And immediately that started changing the whole, my whole world. And I took it out on my dad. I started hating my dad because he changed everything. And my mom, with my mom and my brother and I, we, we moved houses a couple times, which created a sense of, I don't know where I belong. Cause I was I moved every year uh, for a couple, like three or four years. So I lived four, four different houses in uh, not that long. And so I didn't feel like I belonged. I was putting all this energy into, into, trying to like figure out all this chaos because also puberty is happening at the same time. So, you know, it, it was just a lot of uh, nonsense and mess and craziness. Uh, and then um, I think going and then transitioning from, from middle school to high school, I was so exhausted from this whole family problems that when I went to high school, I, I was, uh, I was super insecure and uh, shy. Uh, so I did I extreme difficulty making friends. So at lunch, I would kind of just sit alone in the corner while everyone else 
is is being all cool and having friends and talking to girls and, and, and girls rejecting me. Uh, and so very heartbroken several times. Um, and then all this pain, I just, since I live with my mom, even though I hated my dad, both of which they're absolutely wonderful. They're just, it, was, it was my reaction. But because I didn't like my dad, I would, I would take it out on my mom mm. for absolutely no reason, just because she's there. And I guess that, you know, that's the burden of being a parent is at some point you can no longer protect your kids and it's likely they're going to take it, that pain out on, on you. So my, my mom just had to, had to take it while I was just being a, an obnoxious, angry teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, so so there was a, like a hopelessness, a helplessness, rejection from girls, not having friends terrible relationship with both my family, uh, both my parents, um, not knowing what I want to do in life, not knowing where I want to go, getting bad grades, uh, insecure, sheltered, just, just a, a lot of things coming at the same time from all directions. Uh, and I just really, after, after I was just, it was exhausting having to deal with this, uh, for a couple of years. Um, yes, so, I bet. yeah, yeah. So, and then, and then, and then the, the, facilitated the, I didn't, I didn't know that suicide was really where I wanted to go. I was super depressed and I was like, oh, I don't know. But, but then I, I had, I was at, you know, some birth, uh, some birthday thing with a, with a friend and we were, we left, uh, we, I think we just left and we we're waiting outside for, for one of our parents to pick us up. And we slowly kind of talking about depression and he's like, oh, I'm depressed. I'm really sad. He's like, oh, me too. And then that kind of built on top of each other, like, just, it just facilitated, like it, uh, it expanded to like, we're actually talking about depression and suicide and wanting it to end in just this, this one very little conversation. So then having a, a, a friend who is a good friend, um, knowing that there's someone else who also wants to kill themselves, we kind of were pushing each other, you know, and, and like promoting it. And, and actually you, it's, it's weird how it gets to a point where, um, when you, you uh, well, at least for me, where you, you can get so upset that you actually don't even want to get better. You're actually looking for the things to make it worse because like, okay, I do need to kill myself, but I'm not quite there yet. I'm, I'm enough pain to know I want it, but I, I still need a little bit more motivation to make things worse to get there so I can really just do it. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that, I, I guess I, we use each other to, to push ourselves to, to, to do that. Um, and eventually he, he, did not. I, I went to his house one night. We were, we were going to do it. Like it's going to happen. Like we had a, we had a plan, um, and uh, we we're going to take his dad. His dad had uh, prescription sleeping pills, so we we're going to take those. Uh, but then, but then he decided I, I can't do this. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll just I'll just go home tomorrow and do it myself. You like you know no big deal. And, then and you home, did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, so then on the way home, I went to the grocery store and just picked, bought bought. Uh, four bottles of pills, which was all I could, like, I didn't have any more money. I think I pulled out more bottles and I was like, Oh, I actually don't have, I don't have enough for all these. So I put one back and then I went up to the cash register and I was wearing all, you know, I was one of these kids that were all black, all, you know, all Gothic, you know, style with those, you know, those, those, uh, uh, square pyramids, uh, that people have on like their butt, like their, the, the spikes were like on their belt or braces. I had those, you know, all over the place totally looked like, a, like, I don't know how many red flags I was, you know, I was right. wearing that teenager, right. 15. I go to the grocery store, buy four bottles of pills and only four bottles of pills. And, and there was no, there was, she was like, Oh, how, you know, did you find everything? Okay. Uh, you know, have a, have a good day. Uh, so, uh, 
and then I just, yeah, that night uh, I had a final dinner with my, my mom and brother. You know, they had no idea. I, I hit it. I mean, I, I, I think they were just, they didn't want to see it, even though despite how obvious it was. Uh, but uh, yeah, then as soon as they went to bed, I was like, all right, here we go. I'm going to take these. And I went, so I went down to the kitchen and, and took a bottle of uh, vodka, I guess, from, from my mom's liquor uh, cabinet and then went up to my room and did it. And you, uh, you didn't say goodbye in any way? Nothing, nothing. No, mm. There was no notes, no, uh, no, uh, nothing. Like, like it was any other night, nothing. I have no idea who's listening to this. I try to find out like analytics, you know, yeah. I can find out like downloads and countries. Yeah. Here's a question for you. I, w- I assume that having open conversations about this is a positive thing. Yeah. But I'm open to other people's points of view. When you shared with me that you, and, and tell me if I'm off here on my language, that by your friend also planning, it gave you almost like this motivation or something in which you felt like you could do it. Do you think yeah. in talking about it, there might be people out there who hear it and they have the same feeling? I'd like to believe that this is doing far more good than harm, but yeah. what are your thoughts? Do you think someone might hear this and say, Oh, you know, he tried, I can try. I think one of the most important things is I thought I was the only one. Uh, it's so easy to compare the best in others with the worst in, of yourself. Yeah. And so I thought, you know, especially, yeah, when, so when I'm in high school, I'm looking at all the, all the cool people and all the pretty girls and, you know, everyone just seems great. I and mean, then here I am wearing black and just alone and miserable. I thought I was totally alone. I was the only one. Um, so I just had knowing that, so with my friends, knowing that we were the same, that really, it, it, it created like, oh, I'm not the only one. Like there's someone I can, I can talk to. But unfortunately, he, he was also in the, going to, you know, in the wrong direction. But if I, I think that if I met somebody who had the same thing, but they're going in the positive direction, then it'd be like, oh, well, it, so you can go that way. It is possible. Because I think one of the one of the one of the, the the main reasons why depression is so dangerous uh, is because it it's very good at convincing you that you will not get out. I mean, if you don't believe you can do something, you're not going to do it. So so if you believe, I know so many people even after the recovery process, who I, who I know from from recovery, they say once you're depressed, you're always depressed. I've heard this from so many um, people, and it's a belief. And and if you believe this, it will reinforce its its truth, and then it will become true for you. So, so all, so what I really want to do is just like, guys, it, 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 that's actually not true. You, you can't, you can't recover. I, I mean, I, I get it. I know what it's like to, to, to go all the way and want to go all the way. And you even want, you're so bad that you even want to make it worse because you're so committed, but it's of course a scary thing. But like, I just need the motivation. Like, like someone patting your back when you're going to jump off the high dive or something, you know, like some kind of support. Fortunately, I was able to go to these treatment centers, which not everybody is, mm-hmm. um, but I also know that it's not, it's not required because uh, I, I know how to do it. And I, I, I really want to talk about mindfulness and, and, and how, to, how to look at the, the negativity in your mind and, and, and see this thing like, oh, I, yeah. there's something in, in my head that's attacking me. And, and you, you identify this as yourself, but it's actually just a voice. Um, and anyone can learn how to do this. I think, I think mindfulness is, is the best thing in the world. We should be teaching mindfulness as, as, soon, as, as soon as you're teaching algebra uh, to people mm. because because. Because that's when you, so you, you'll learn the techniques to, to, to deal with this. And I, another big problem with depression is people think that 
I need to get rid of my problems to get rid of depression. Mm-hmm. But those are two different things. You can have, mm-hmm. you're always going to have obstacles and problems and challenges and, and it's fine. It's just, that's how you grow and that's how you develop and that's how you move forwards and, and, and test out new things. But, but, that, but that won't change. That has nothing to do with the, the depression. So if you hold on to the belief that if I get rid of my problems, I'll get rid of my depression, but you're never going to get rid of your problems, which means you're never going to get rid of your depression. So if you believe that it's going to, it's going to actually, that's what's going to defeat you. So, yeah. so I also want to tell, let people know that getting rid of depression is a totally different thing than getting rid of your problems. You maybe gotten rejected or you're in a relationship you don't like, or your career's not going the way you want it to, or, or whatever. That doesn't, you don't need to identify that with, I am depressed. I am worthless. I, I can't do it because they are two things. We're all going to go through these career things, relationship things, money, financial things, personal things and, and, and do that. Um, and accept that okay, these are happening. These are here to 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 help me grow. No, no one asks for moments of pain or rejection or tragedy. But but there's, they're, they're they're blessings because they 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 prove to yourself that I even this I can handle. And, and they mm-hmm. and they, they force you in a situation to grow internal muscles that you didn't even know that you had or you didn't think was possible. And then all of a sudden you're pushed into the deep end. It's like I gotta I gotta do this. I got I gotta move forwards. And and so. The, the, the world is not so cruel as to, to give us what we want. Sometimes the world is fantastic by not giving us what we want. Yeah. So many times uh, what's good and what's bad, you might think, oh, this is something that's really good. And then later you realize it was actually really bad. And then there's something that you might associate as really bad. And later you're like, actually, you know, that was a really wonderful thing. You have no idea. So just, so, so have like a more openness to, you have no idea. Being suicidal was one of the best. It was literally the best thing that's ever happened to me. If, if you took that away from me, you would take you take away my whole life because it, it, it gave me uh, an a, a opportunity to transcend myself and build myself and learn about myself and and uh, and know about how to conquer yourself and, and 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 keep going in the world, no matter how no matter how difficult it gets, because challenges are going to happen all the time, and that's okay. Yeah. So. Here's a question. I'm, I'm not a therapist, just to be super clear. Um, no. I talk to people who are attempt survivors, um, and I think it's important people know that. I, I do want to ask you, though, what was it like for you? Because I think there might be people out there who are hearing this. Maybe they're young, maybe they're not, and they might be depressed and might not know what that is, yeah. might not know what that feels like. And so I'm asking f- for you – in as much as you can, what does it feel like to feel that kind of depression? What does that feel like? Well, for, for, for me, it, it just like, there's no, there's no point in anything. Like I can't do anything. I'm not worth anything. I can't, I won't be able to figure out anything. I'm, I'm all alone. I don't fit in my family. I don't fit in my school. I don't even fit in my body. I was really insecure about, you know, cause you're a teenager. You, you, really don't like your, I didn't like my body. So I didn't really fit like I could fit. I didn't fit in my skin. I didn't fit in my home. I didn't, I didn't, fit, in, I didn't fit in anywhere. And it's felt like so alone and isolated. And I thought that it's never going to change when yeah. it, it, it's so easy to think that things are permanent, especially when you're a teenager, when you're really young and, 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 and you think, Oh, this is going to last forever. And so that idea that this is going to last forever I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. It's, I don't, so, I don't. Uh, it's so insidious. It's such yeah. a big, did you, did you, I guess the word is ruminate. So when those thoughts, would you be thinking that a lot 
this is never going to end. My life sucks. I hate my uh, body. I can't meet women. I can't meet girls. Girls hate me. I'm not yeah. popular all the time or with their break all the time. And it's, and it's just, and it would just reinforce everywhere when you're, you know, you're at school yeah. and you, you see everyone seem, seeming to do really well and you're not. And so all day long, you're looking at these people like, what are they doing? And, and why can't I, what am I doing wrong? And then you go home and, and uh, well now it's social media, social media is probably making it even worse because you're comparing yourself even more. I didn't have, we didn't have social media when I was 15, but you know, we had, we still had, you know, like M- I watched a lot of MTV and there was also the whole, a lot of cool kids, yeah. you know, cool and popular and, and fun with girls and all that stuff. I was like, Oh, why am I, why am I the only one who's not doing this? Uh, which of course I think most people, even the ones who are the ones that I was also looking at and, 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 and glorifying, they were probably also thinking, Oh, why can't, you know, why can't I be successful? Why can't I do all these things? I think a lot of people are thinking this, even though yeah. it appear that they're not, it's like, it's like conditioning. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, of like, course. Like, a, like you're, you constantly see what you don't have in that comparison. If you look at something that's really high, you're going to look at yourself as really low and then you're just going to keep yeah. reinforcing that belief until it's, it's just a truth for you. Like I am really low. I am really On that night, like how did you get sa- saved? What, what happened that you were able to essentially, you didn't die. Like what happened there? Well, and it just nothing really. I mean, I, I did take all the pills uh, with alcohol, so 140 with alcohol, uh, and then the next day, uh, you know, my mom just finds me in the room. There's there's vomit everywhere, and I, I'm uh. just sick and sweating and gross and just totally nasty. And so she's. It's very obvious that something has happened. Uh, and then my dad is a doctor, so she said to my dad, "You need to come over here because something's going on." Um, and then, and then it was obvious. So I just, then I, then I went to the hospital, uh, and I tried to, I, I didn't try, I did lie about it for a couple of days. So I didn't want to admit, um, uh, but then it took my blood and, you know, the blood test. And I was just like, there's, you, this is not drugs. This is not, you know, mm-hmm. some kind of, I said, I said I had allergic reactions. I, I, I had to come up with something. So I said I was taking Tylenol PM to help me sleep every night. And, uh, I think I just had an allergic reaction. And then they're like, okay, there's, there's no way, there's no way that's true because your, your your chart is your levels are just off the charts, you know. Um, so after a couple of days, um, and then and then even also before I admitted it, they had when I was in the hospital. I was in the hospital for a week. They had one of these night watchmen come into the room and just sit there and just be awake all night because I was already on suicide precaution, even though I hadn't admitted it. And then the, and then the psychologist started coming to, to talk to me. And so I was like, okay, okay. And then I just admitted it because I, I just didn't have the, I didn't have the strength to, to keep lying uh, when all, it was just so obvious that uh, everyone, everybody knew. Um, uh, what was it like for you to admit it and get the words out of your mouth? Uh, it was, it was, I mean, it, it, I don't remember a lot because I was so, I was actually very weak. Uh, I, was, I was really unhealthy at the time. So I don't remember too much. I, I would like to say I was, I was very shameful because I, I felt so ashamed. Um, uh, just like a total failure, uh, a loser. I had no idea. You know, and it's like, I don't know what's going to happen now. I didn't know it was going to be sent to a mental hospital uh, at the time, but uh, I thought I was going to go back to, actually, you know what? I actually thought as soon as I get healthy, as soon as I'm out of the hospital and I get, and I go home, I'm just going to do it again. Like it wasn't, it wasn't, there wasn't a, uh, there wasn't a, uh, a regret. It was like, okay, now I just need to do it uh, better. I actually thought, okay, so now I know the problem was that I threw up. So this time I'm going to do literally the exact same thing, but I'm going to put a sock in my mouth and then tape my mouth closed, which yeah. is totally nasty. But, like, but that's how 
that's how serious I was. The very right. first thing I thought of, I remember this, the very first thing I thought of once I woke up the next day and realized I was alive was, I got to do it again. It wasn't like, mm. thank God or something. It was like, I got to do it again. So, so there was, in the hospital, there was, of course, a lot of shame and embarrassment. Uh, people, you know, a lot of people were coming to visit me. Family, friends were coming to visit me. I just felt so embarrassed. Uh, mm. I did sit there for hours while we didn't say anything. It's like, I don't, I don't really have a whole lot to say right now. Um, but, uh, how'd they respond? Yeah. I don't, uh, how, how did the different people in your life? I assume that the, the, let us hope, tell me if I'm wrong, that the medical professionals responded in a professional way, but uh, what about family, family, friends, and including them, like what were their responses like when they learned that, Hey, this, you, you tried to end your life. I mean, everyone just wanted to support me. Uh, everyone just made it as clear as possible that they're here for me. They're, they love me. They want to take care of me. Um, people were family members who, I'm, who I might not have seen that often. Um, would come to the hospital and just and just keep me company, which I hated at the time. But it was just they wanted just to show me support. Uh, yeah. Everybody wanted to show me support. Um, so p- people people even left uh, gifts at my at my mom's front door just anonymously. Mm. So somehow the word got out, um, and so people would leave gifts like "Feel better," "We're praying for you," uh, you know, med- you know, med- like meditation notes and, and things, you know, all sorts, all sorts of stuff. Everyone was super supportive. Um, Some of the people I talked to, they have different experiences that people weren't really supportive or sometimes outright, you know, critical, negative. Uh, So I'm glad to hear that, that you had that support, even at the time if it felt like it was just, Hey, whatever, but. mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I am very fortunate to have that. Um, and that's probably one of the reasons I've, d- I've done so well in recovery, but it's not a require. It's definitely a requirement, uh, yeah. to recover, uh, in case you're out there and you don't have that support. Uh, I want to make it clear that you don't need that. What was the most helpful stuff in the, uh, in the hospitals and then yeah. after the hospitals? Cause at the time you're still a kid. Well, then absolutely nothing, nothing in the, in the actual general hospital, nothing was, they just wanted me to, to survive. Uh, they had, you know, making sure I was recovering. So there wasn't, I did, I, I, I did, I know that a therapist of some kind did come to speak with me. I don't really remember that, but that was did absolutely nothing. Um, and then they sent me to the inpatient mental hospital. Uh, and I was there, you have to be there a minimum of three days. And I was, the, I was there four weeks because they did not know what to do with me. It was just so obvious that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this again as soon as I'm out of here. Even though I didn't say that, it was just so obvious, mm. um, I think, because that's why I was there longer than pretty much everybody. Everyone just, everyone just was there for three to five days or whatever, and I was there for almost a month. So like, we, this kid is on you know, red alert. We, we don't know what to do, but he has to stay here. Um, so, but, the, but at the mental hospital, that also did nothing, uh, because the system was just based off of, are you following the rules? Because most people who go to a mental hospital, they're, they're fighting the system and, yeah. and, 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 and yelling and angry and you maybe even you know, in one of those padded rooms where you're strapped down or something. But me, I was just like, I'll, I'm just going to, this is going to be summer camp for me. I'm just going to chill out, enjoy, enjoy the ride uh, and wait it out. As soon as I'm out of here, I'm, I'll go back. So, so, I didn't, so nothing even then happened as far as our recovery. It was not until after that I went, the only reason I was released 
for the mental hospitals because they're going to send me to lockdown in Utah. And then there they, they, they were a lot better at knowing what to do um, with actually breaking me down and getting rid of all this, all this negativity that I have. Um, and, 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 and Bill showing me that I do have the confidence to, I, I can't have the confidence and the strength to, to do whatever I need. And I, was, and I started doing really well in school and I was fixing my relationship in, in, in family therapy with, with my parents. And I started to have friends. Like I have just friends with, you know, in, in this, in the, in the, in the lockdown, there was, you know, people that were, you know, former gangsters who had been shot. They were heroin addicts. There were people who you know, would fight their parents. There were uh, neo-Nazis. There were uh, people who were afraid to leave their room and their, their parents would put food outside the bedroom. I mean, the whole spectrum uh, of people were there and I, and I just I became friends I was friends with them all, all all of them even the people that you might think were scary I, I just it, it was it, so it, I was like I actually feel I have friends like it was a really so a lot of things were happening where I could see okay I, things don't things aren't permanent like I, th- I thought they were and then things can actually ch- things do change and they will change and and, and uh, I, you know you can make you can make yourself better you um so so that so that was a wonderful experience but also they they the the, the therapists in this lockdown they just knew how to they were hard on me they wasn't like mm-hmm. they weren't soft they knew okay we gotta we gotta like a like a drill sergeant you know you're not gonna wow you know you're not gonna your drill sergeant's hard on you on purpose to get rid of a lot of bad habits uh and and to train you on on, on how to how to have discipline like, you know, they, you know, as I, maybe in the movies that, you know, they wash the floor with a toothbrush. There's no practical reason for that, but it, but it just, it, it, it gets rid of uh, maybe your arrogance or, or it creates maybe more sense of your humbleness or, uh, or acceptance. Uh, so all, all these tools are, were, were they're like, they're going to work, they were, they were quite hard on me, um, but in a good way to, to break me down. I, oh. I, I've conquered depression and suicide, not, not through strength, but actually through acceptance. Uh, not through building tools or or uh, or walls of protection, but just like a, a more like a surrender. Like, okay, mm. things are going to happen. Good things are going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. And okay, it's fine. Keep keep going. Keep moving forward. The um, so that's also one thing I, I think a lot of people. Cause I watch a lot of uh, suicide talks, and, and and I'm involved in a lot of Facebook groups and stuff, and and it's very much. Uh, focus on, on building the strength, which of course is great. That's it's, it's important. But actually, surrender is as weird as it may sound. Is is for me is is, is was the answer just to just to let go of, of of these ideas of the way that the world should be and who you should be and what you should have and and uh, and all, all these things. Just just let just let it go and and and, and see what happens. So was it during the lockdown in Utah that you started to shift a little bit? That's where all all my transformation happened. Was it was in this uh, lockdown where I was there for a year? Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, I was locked up for a year, like yeah, eleven months. Um, and then, so you interesting. You so the shift and the change and all the things that ultimately helped you took place in a lockdown. Yeah, yeah. I thought yeah, I, lockdown. That was that was the greatest thing that ever ever happened to me. Um, because because they can be hard on you. Like if I. If I uh, if it was an outpatient program, for example, and uh, you know I was allowed to go home, 
if you're hard, if they were hard on me, I probably, I probably would just kill myself. Uh, but because I could not do that in lockdown, it gives you the permit, like the ability to be super hard and really break someone down, which is a mm. painful experience. Um, and it's going to, it's going to seem like things are getting worse first. Uh, just like, just like if you're going through heroin withdrawals, for example, as soon mm -hmm. as you stop, the, the withdrawal symptoms will appear that, okay, this is getting worse. But all that, all those negative things are actually a cleansing, recovering uh, experience. But when you're dealing with uh, something like mental health, like depression, and, and someone's just trying to break, break these things apart, it's going to seem... It's gonna seem like it's worse. Like uh, now, I'm even not everything's being exposed. So maybe even things that you didn't even want to talk about now they're coming up, and now it's all you're thinking about. So it's, it seems even worse. Um, mm -hmm. But since there was nothing I could do about it, it it was you know it it, it was, it was uh, exactly what I needed to 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 get it out and get rid of it and see okay these are just ideas that aren't necessarily true or they're not they, they are not true. Uh, that I can't do anything and I'm a hopeless person. I'm a helpless person. And I'm bad at school and I don't have any friends and I can't talk to people and you know, all these things. Uh, they're, they're just, they just, I created them and I can also let go of them. Yeah. So what's the, uh, for, for lack of a better expression, the bullet version story of after you got out of the hospital and got your life sort of back on track what did that look like in terms of school or work or relationships for you? Well, it was great. Um, I, well, well, so then after lockdown, I went to this therapy boarding school for uh, almost a year. So the whole process was like a two-year process. Um, and there, I saw, uh, where I was already recovered when I went to therapeutic boarding school, there I started to have more normal relationships with, with, uh, with people who weren't only therapy because in the lockdown, it was, like, it was all therapy. And then the step down was also just, hey, have fun, watch TV, do do a little more normal things with therapy. Um, but then when I went to to another high school, I went back after that went to San Francisco for uh, just a regular high school. It was I was very scared. I I don't think I even told anybody what had happened. I think I lied. I might have, I said I think I tried to play it tough, like oh, sort of way, you know. But I didn't really want to. I I don't think I got out of the details um, because I was just so insecure. But when I went to college where I could really just start over, um, I learned very quickly that people actually really liked it when I talked about uh, suicide. Because I had, yeah, so when I was in that, the last year of high school, I did tell a few people and it was just a positive, it was just like, okay, yeah, I get you, I'm, I'm here to support you. Not that you need it, but, but I'm here to support you. It was like, oh, well, that's nice. That's, a, that's very refreshing. I, was yeah. here. I thought people were gonna you know, run for the hills and, and judge me and, and think I'm a, like a weirdo. Uh, but so I saw, okay, well, that's also another idea that I've created that's not true. And so then when, you, when I applied for universities after, after high school, I, there's like, you know, what was, what was the moment that really impacted you or who's your hero or whatever? I, I, I talked about my situation in lockdown and uh, like my, my therapist, and I got a lot of scholarships from universities. So that was the, 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 a very clear indication that people actually like this. Mm. Uh, so that gave me the confidence when, when I went freshman year in college, I did start kind of flirting with the idea of, of telling people like th these things. And it was just, it, it became such a, a positive, I got such a positive response that I, that I, that I was like, I'm, I want to tell everybody this. And when, mm. I, when I was joining, when I tried to, when I got into a fraternity, the whole uh, uh, ex uh, interview process, if you want to call it that, I, I made sure everybody knew that I was like, I want to tell everybody I try to kill myself and, and, and how I've recovered and, and, and things are different because that's, 
it, it show it's it makes me unique and it shows a strength and people also understand that and whether or not they try to kill themselves, they know what it's like to be sad and, and want to know how to recover. Uh, so I, and I quickly learned just to tell tell everybody every opportunity I can, I will tell people uh, that I try to kill myself. Even even talking to girls now, really, uh, I would tell them as soon as I can. I try first date, them. first date, uh, first five minutes. I will tell people like I'll work it into the conversation. Uh, nice. it's, it's just as as quickly as I possibly can. Uh, I'll tell people sometimes it's like, "Hey, I'm Thomas. I try to kill myself." And then whether they, you know whether they believe me or not, you're still going to get a good laugh. So you know everything's everything's good anyway. You know, and I mean if you do it the right way. So I would just I would just tell everybody. I've, and, and in interviews, I've, I've told people on interviews like, "Well, why'd you study psychology?" Well, this is how I do it. Like we talk about, you know, I'd say psychology, and and then say, well, "Why'd you do? Why'd you do that?" I was like, "Well, actually, I try to kill myself." And then it's like, "Oh, okay." Mm. And, and so we actually can come up into the conversation quite naturally. Uh, and everyone loves it. People have given me feedback on job interviews. Like the, the best time of this whole interview was when you told us that you were suicidal. It's just a wonderful experience. It's, it's, always, it's always a wonderful experience to tell people I try to kill myself because then it's very likely that they will say something also very personal, mm-hmm. uh, which they might not have shared to anybody. And, and that's always sure. a, a pleasure to, to have someone really expose something uh, like that, you know, that, that might have destroyed... Yeah, you know, so the part of them, you know, when they were younger or recently. Uh, so it's it's, a, it's something I really enjoy. Uh, yeah, I can hear that in your yeah. when you speak about it. Which yeah. is nice. What's the yeah. biggest or one of the biggest myths do you think out there that you hear revolving around uh, suicide or suicide attempts or the survivors? Uh, that once you're depressed, you're always depressed. Mm-hmm. I hear that from so many people. Uh, just seeing it online or actually knowing, meeting people who, who talk about it and they say, and then when I tell them I recover, they're like, really? I thought once you're depressed, you're always depressed or that's what they believe. And just, it's just that it, if, as long as you hold on to that, if you hold on to that, it will be true for you. Uh, you have to let go of that and then that you, you can recover, but you have to, you have to believe that you can yeah. do anything. You have to believe that you can. I think it gets tricky with semant- – it may be a semantical thing. The word depressed is used so many different ways. Yeah, it is. So it's a limit of the language. I think – and again, not a doctor, not a therapist, not a counselor, just pretty well read. You know, Once you are, for example, schizophrenic hmm. or, or bipolar, I think most doctors say you are going to remain that way. I don't know if you feel that way, but there are certain conditions – that I think most people think you should be actively treating that for the rest of your life. Yeah. Do you not agree? Well, I mean, there's a difference. I think there's a difference between, yes, okay, you, you might be schizophrenic, but I, I do also know that you can be aware of the fact that you are schizophrenic mm. and you can be aware of the fact that you are hallucinating and you can be aware mm-hmm. of the fact that your ideas are not actually true. Mm-hmm. And this awareness of that uh, neutralizes their ability to have as much power over you as when you're not aware of it and you think it's real and you and you're looking at at these ideas or or, or, or visions that aren't even or voices in your head that aren't there and you think it's true. But if you are aware that that there is something going on because you're schizophrenic or whatever, and that these voices or hallucinations aren't true, uh, you can isolate yourself from this. Uh, yeah, I, I actually I actually dated a girl uh, not too long ago who who was who was mildly schizophrenic, 
And she said that she did have some hallucinations. Like, like every now and then, there's just a guy standing, you know, in the corner or like, or fall. Like she, like, but she knew that. Okay, whenever I see this guy, I know that he's not. I know what that that is. And there's a couple other things, but but she was aware that okay, this is not real. Therefore, yeah. I will not let it defeat me. Uh, and mm-hmm. and sure, she she has to deal with this the rest of her life. And and sure, she has to maybe take medications. Uh, and, and and she went and she did go to um uh like a like a community group of people where it's because they all talk about it but mm. just because you have these things doesn't mean that it, it needs to defeat you right so, sure. so so if you want to talk about maybe someone has a chemical imbalance where where they have depression uh major depression okay yeah so so all these negative thoughts are coming but as long as you if you can see that okay there's a, there's a negative thought here the more you are aware that you are looking at it the more you can distance yourself from it and the, and the, the less power it has mm-hmm. uh, that I, I, I believe that uh, I, I don't think, I think that everything is a thought. And if you know that uh, and know how to not get caught up in your thoughts, uh, whatever that may be, uh, you, you can have the, you can have the power to, to release yourself from it, even though it's there. Yeah. Uh, just like, let's say you want to go to sleep and your neighbors are having a party and that's really loud. What's keeping you up is not the loudness of the music. It's your resistance to the fact that there is music and you're saying, oh, I wish it wouldn't be there. That's mm. what's keeping you up. Uh, if you just say, if you just accept it, okay, there's sound, there's a lot of sound. Then you can actually instantly get to a place of peace. We're like, okay, I don't even need to, I don't need to, to defeat this external thing in order for me to be at peace. All I have to do is accept it and everything external cannot have the power to defeat me. I do want to publish a book about this experience so, so that guides people through the whole process uh, and, and, and then do things like this uh, and, yeah. and, you know, and speak to bigger audiences or, or you know, I don't, who knows what's going to happen, but some, something, I want to do something where I, uh, where I talk about this. But I haven't, I haven't formally studied this stuff, this type of, this type of stuff. Uh, well, you have, you have your experiences, which are... Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. My experience were, were, were far more than anything anything I learned uh, in school regarding uh, the mind and what's new about it. If there's anyone listening here who has someone in their life who is struggling, yeah, family, friend, whomever, really badly, yeah, and you could direct a message to them, the yeah. supporters of those people, not the yeah. people themselves, those that are in a position to support or help, what would you say to them? I would say how important it is to to just give as much support as you can without judgments uh, and without projecting your whatever's going with you onto them. Because sometimes when we help people, we help people in the way that we want to be helped, which is not at all the way that they want to be helped. So 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 come with an uh, an openness and a freshness of the way you want to help them. And just say, well, I'm here for you. I understand. Uh, talk about that you yourself have also experienced these things people like i when i do that love it and then then, then they reciprocate and it, it does create an openness and a, and a warmth uh mm. so, so you can say i i know what you, uh, you're going through or you know maybe not even make those assumptions that you're going through something but just say hey i've i've dealt with these uh these things i've dealt with uh, this and this in, in, in my life and uh this is what worked for me um familiarize yourself maybe with mindfulness yourself so that you can you know how to talk to people in a, in a very calm open 
way with more acceptance so that they so there's a relaxness and so they don't feel judged or that you're imposing on them or or forced to do something or guilty or shame uh yeah that sounds just show, just show that you're there for them you know uh, yeah because that, that's what it was for me i didn't i thought i was alone and then unfortunately well I, it was it was ended up being a blessing but i met a guy or i knew we i, I found this guy that was also in the same situation and that created a a bond mm-hmm. but we were heading downwards if i met someone else and he was he or she was going upwards i who knows what would happen but just the fact that i knew that I, oh, finally i was not alone and that someone understood me that created a real tight bond with me in the sky uh mm-hmm. so if someone is going through these things that you see just the fact if you just say i've dealt with whatever that that they them knowing they're not alone i think i think will do so much and then maybe just do mindfulness together or, or going on a walk, uh, mm-hmm. playing, playing some kind of sports or a game, you know, anything, just, just like, let's, let's engage in the world in a positive way. That's not, you know, very demanding, you know, let's play checkers or something or, or whatever, just mm-hmm. do stuff to, to, so, so that your mind does get off of focusing on the negative. Uh, and then you see there's, there's, there's other things in the world. Mm. That's great. So you moved to Denmark. What was it? Eleven years ago. Eleven years ago, yeah, uh, yeah. I guess uh, two thousand, yeah, two thousand nine. Why uh, did you move back there? Not back there. Why did you move there? I moved. I moved here because well, because my mom is Danish, and so then I've, I've had a Danish background that I didn't really know anything about. Uh, I just knew that I was Danish. My mom did Danish things, um, and so when I was finished with college in LA, I had to make a big change. And when you're done with college, you have to, you know, you move to a new city, or you, really your life really changes. So I thought, well, if there's ever a time to check out Denmark, it's going to be now. So I just, I just Googled psychology in Denmark and found this place to live in the, this like special type of school. Um, and after, after three weeks, I just, I, I knew this was, this was my home. Like, I just loved it so much. Uh, I was sold after three weeks. I'm like, I've never, I'm never moving back. Did you, did you, but did you study in English or did you have to do a crash course? Yeah, in well, this, this first school, I'm t- it's, 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 it's not, Related to university, it's kind of like a, it's more like an academic summer camp where people go maybe after high school, they don't necessarily know what they want to study. And, and there's all sorts of classes you take together to kind of explore things. It's a, it's a, it's a very unique thing that uh, Danes have. But then after that, then I went to uh, the Copenhagen University and I got my master's and PhD, which was, which is all in, in, in English. Um, oh yeah. 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 There's a, a lot of programs are, are in, in English over here just because Danish is such a small country and language, only five, five million people that it is very encouraged and they want international attention as well. And uh, so, so a lot of things are just in English. Uh, Got it. Yeah. You kind of have to do that. Um, this is a really hard question. You ready? Yeah. What is, cause I feel like this could be a long answer. What is the single biggest difference between the United States yeah. and Denmark? Oh gosh. The single biggest, I mean the whole, I guess, I guess values, uh, because my values change as well. When I, when I was in California, I was more into like the, I, I got caught up maybe in the whole, I don't know, maybe all the stuff you learn from MTV about, you know, you know, nice cars and flashy things and, and bigness and greatness and be the best. And then when it came to here, Denmark, it's more like a, Hey, you know, just enjoy your life. I feel like people will just enjoy their life more. Like the quality of life is better. It's a more of a weeness rather than a meanness. Um, 
it's the whole system is just designed to, to support you with with free healthcare, free education, uh, almost no poverty over here. Everyone's in the middle class. It just which will makes the crime lower, which makes the social cohesion higher. So there's all sorts of street festivals and live music and and and, and people are just out and about a lot more freely and, and trusting. So it just it just creates the whole value of, of us together in this community. It, uh, it's 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 I love it. It's it's wonderful. It's, uh, mm. it's such a it's, a it's a blessing to be here. I was going to ask about mental health there, but I think you just answered it. Yeah, well, you know, the, it's it's interesting that uh, Denmark does have a very high suicide rate, uh, which is something that uh, a lot of researchers have been looking into. Um, and I wonder why. Well, my explanation for this is uh, just like if um, you can, just like one reason why social media is so dangerous is that you go on it and you kind of get sucked into this, and you're looking at all these people that you glorify who are taking pictures of, of their of their best selves. Uh, and even being totally fake and you know it's fake, but you get caught up in it anyway. And so this comparison of, of making that so high and making yourself feel low, that I think that's what is happening where since Denmark has such a high quality of life and you see this everywhere, if for some reason you are not fitting in, that contrast will, will magnify and then you will feel more alone. And then you'll be like, oh, everybody's happy and educated and doing well and healthy. And there's something wrong with me. Like what's wrong with me? And you, cause you see it, you see it everywhere. So yeah. that's, that's why I think there is such a high suicide rate and, and people mm. are questioning, questioning why. And I think it's, it's, it's simplicity is the answer, not overcomplication. It's just, yeah, you're making comparisons. That is, that is, a, that is a fantastic way to defeat yourself is to make comparisons. And uh, when it appears that everyone is doing really well and there's something inside you that doesn't fit, that's just that, that pain is just going to uh, grow and you're going to, you're going sure. to isolate on that and focus on that and magnify that and the contrast and just make the contrast more and more. Um, so that's why I think uh, Denmark has such a, a high suicide rate. What's the pandemic been like there and how has it affected your life? Your uh, it's been, it's been really nice actually. It's uh, it's not really bad over here. We're, we're doing a very good job taking care of things. Um, the businesses were closed from for maybe two or three months, but things are opening. Things have opened. Uh, I mean, there's soap dispensers everywhere. Like the, if you the gyms, there's soap dispensers everywhere. Uh, in 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 um, in the grocery stores, there's a there's a glass shield between where you walk in line and, and the cashier. Um, but uh, it's very. I mean, I would just I, I'm out all the time at parks, and it's it's very crowded. There's people everywhere. It's almost mm. as if Nothing is happening. If you, we've t- I've talked this plenty of times with with my friends where we're out and about, and we look around like it there looks like there's nothing happening. It looks looks like business as usual. Like everyone's having a great time, socializing, flirting, dating, you know, swimming together, and you know, in the water and, and hanging out at parks, and everything's normal as far as as far as everything. Most yeah, most part. So uh, again, very very lucky to to be here, especially when I talk to my parents who are, who are quite old and and, and, and are at risk. Uh, for for the virus, and they tell me that you know, it's required to have a mask, and they don't want to go outside, and they don't really want to inter- interact with other people. Uh, they're like, staying at home. I feel so blessed to, to be here, and, and I don't I don't really do anything to to as a precaution against this because it just it seems like there's nothing going on actually. Mm. Your folks are back in California. Sorry, 
Your folks are in California? Yeah, 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 yeah my, uh, both my parents are in uh, San Francisco, and uh, I see them um, only once a year for Christmas. You know, I go home for my annual trip for Christmas, New Year's. Uh, but our relationship is fine. It, it, my, my parents didn't do anything. It was my anger that I projected onto them that, that destroyed our relationship, and it was nothing they needed to change. It was me that needed to change. I was the one that was, was blaming them for my own pain, and so when I got rid of that, our relationship just flourished and it's totally, it's wonderful. Like, I, you know, there's nothing, uh, my parents are wonderful, but I, I just, I got mad at them because I was, I was mad. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad yeah. to hear that. Good. So, uh, anything else around your attempt, your recovery, mindfulness, or anything else, sort of just an open question, share away that I may not have asked about. I, well, I haven't talked about anything specifically. I mean, I can talk about this all day. Well, we, you know, you've yeah. Probably, another round or whatever come back with questions later and, and, and merge your two shows that. into one um yeah i i i didn't plan i didn't prepare because it just i i'm very comfortable so so no it's uh, good know. man I, I think what you've shared was obviously very honest and heartfelt and yeah. for sure people will hear this and uh and get something out of it which is the goal i hope so yeah well, that is the goal yeah exactly so i hope so uh I really yeah yeah that uh, they're not alone in, in this battle. And, and so many people are fighting uh, themselves and it doesn't seem that way because everyone is trying to show this invincible superhero person uh, that has no problems, but, but that's definitely not true. Everyone's going through something. Everyone knows somebody who's been depressed or suicidal, or at least they can, they understand what that is like, even mm-hmm. if they, if they haven't experienced it. So it's, once it, it's it's such it's so wonderful to talk about this because it, it just it, it it makes you realize everyone is a human we're all going through this and you don't have to do this alone and, and, and you're not alone uh and there's, there's just so there's so much out there that that, uh, that can really help you for the better um if, if you want yeah man thanks for doing this i appreciate it thank you thank you once again man keep doing keep doing this stuff and i really appreciate it i'll appreciate it too As always, thanks so much for listening, and special thanks to Thomas out in Copenhagen, Denmark. If you like the podcast, help us out as best you can. Keep listening. We drop new episodes Monday and Thursday mornings. Let people know about it, and you can rate it or review it. It really does help us out. If you're a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please email us at hello at suicidenoted.com. Until we connect again, stay strong. Do the best you can. And I'll talk to you soon.